0: Welcome
1: to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name
1: is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And today we are bringing you a follow-up, a rare, long-awaited follow-up on an episode from last year that was about a messenger from another solar system. Oh, yes. Oumuamua. Oumuamua. That's right. So in this episode from last year, it aired in December 2017. It was called First Messenger from an Alien Star. We discussed the first ever extrasolar object known to enter our solar system, which has come to be known as Oumuamua. Now, of course, as usual, the big question whenever there's something interesting that happens in space is, is it aliens? (laughs) And that's what people wanted to know back then. Of course, back then, the answer seemed to be no. The answer, as a spoiler, I think still seems to be no, but the question has gotten a little more interesting, even though the answer does still seem to be no.
0: Yeah, basically, it was a weird object when it was first observed, and it it remained weird. It continued to do weird things. And then there's one paper in particular we're going to be talking about. Well, actually, a couple of papers that put some... Some, some, uh, some fascinating spins on it that uh, hypothesize uh, uh, what could be going on with the Muamua. And one of those uh, hypotheses involves uh, a concept that it's an alien spaceship. So the, the idea that it is aliens has not completely died away. And we're talking about uh, among... Um, Uh, reputable scientists, not Mm -hmm. merely, uh, you know, people on the outskirts uh, that that just want to see aliens in everything.
1: Right. Well, of course, as we discussed in the last episode, anytime there's anything weird in space, the Daily Mail is going to break out its aliens as their headline and people are going to be popping their It's Aliens champagne. It's not time to pop the champagne. But we did promise in that last episode that if future research came along and proved us wrong in saying it wasn't aliens, we would, of course, do a follow-up episode. Has that happened? Well, Well, no, it hasn't been proven to be aliens, but the object has continued to appear even more strange and even more interesting all the time. And plenty of media outlets have have used a new paper by astrophysicist Avi Loeb and Shmuel Bialy to run with the OK Now It's Aliens headlines. (laughs) And obviously, some people have flagged these articles for us on social media. So we thought it'd be worth a look, come back, revisit it and uh, and see what's happened uh, since last year. Now
0: I have to to, to go ahead and, and remind everyone that we're we're not against the idea of it being aliens necessarily. Uh like you that would be really interesting <laughs> if that were to come to
1: pass. I don't know about you. I hate aliens.
0: <laughs> it just, ugh, well, idea. It just curdles my blood. It would be a huge change, obviously, and change is scary. Mm-hmm. It would, uh, it would definitely mess with some of our science fiction. That's probably yeah. where I feel the most um, threatened by it. Is, um, is you know, I've got, I've got some some stuff uh, pending that uh, that might be messed up if if. Uh, right. if, if aliens are, are suddenly reality, uh, and then, then all of our sci-fi has to be like alternate reality sci-fi. Like this is what the future <laughs> might have been like had there not been aliens as we know them to be.
1: That's a really good point. I mean this was why when uh, – um, It makes all first contact stories alternate histories. Yeah. I mean I, I'm not sure
0: if this is – I haven't verified this. But I remember reading that when 2001 A Space Odyssey was in production, Stanley Kubrick – either did or tried to take out an insurance policy uh, in the event that alien life was discovered before the film (laughs) came out.
1: Um, So, you know, I'm not alone in my my paranoia. Oh, that's good. Uh, But no, no. Once again, today is not going to be an It's Aliens party, but it is going to be a fascinating exploration of a very weird thing in space. Right,
0: and we will consider the possibility. because That's going to be part of this episode is talking about the idea that it could be an alien spaceship.
1: Okay, brief refresher crash course on this object, Oumuamua. On October 19th, 2017, the Pan-STARS-1 telescope in Hawaii on uh, Haleakala caught sight of a small object that was moving rapidly through the solar system. And so, of course, they called in other observatories to look and confirm what they had seen. And at first it was believed to be a comet – And then later, it was determined to be some kind of interstellar object, asteroid-like object, traveling at lightning speed into and then back out of our solar system. So, how fast was the thing going? Well, at its fastest, when it made its nearest approach to the sun on September 9th of 2017, it was going about 196,000 miles per hour, or 87.3 kilometers per second, Last I heard, it's already headed back out of the solar system at somewhere around 70,000 miles per hour, uh, already past the orbit of Jupiter. I think I read nearing the orbit of Saturn, or it might be there by now. In another four years, it will pass the orbit of Neptune, and it'll basically be heading way back out into interstellar space. Whatever it is, it ain't local. So the speed is already weird. Uh, Then you got the trajectory. So it apparently entered the ecliptic plane of the solar system, the the relatively flat orbital plane where things go around the sun, at an inclination of about 123 degrees. And things in our solar system are generally not like that. Though some comets have pretty tilted orbits, this object basically shot into our solar system from above or from below. There there is, of course, no up or down in space, but from uh, an angle perpendicular to the, the flat plane, of the solar system. And it passed very close to the sun inside the orbit of Mercury, then slingshotted around the sun and headed back out. Its orbit is what's called hyperbolic, meaning it will not be returning. It's it's going.
0: Right. And so so when we talk about it uh, uh, passing the orbit of Saturn, we're not talking about it sort of sailing past Saturn in a sort of Star Trek, the next generation, uh, you know, solar vista kind of way. We're talking yeah. about uh, uh, this, this trajectory that shoots above the, uh, the the solar plane.
1: Right. If you zoom way out, it would look kind of like a big V where it mm-hmm. goes straight down right by the sun and then just straight back off into space. Now, what is this object up close? That's That's – Obviously, what people are wondering, like, is it a Pegasus? Is it a flaming sphere? What is it? So we can't see any details about the surface or geometry of the object because it is purely a point-like light source. It's very small – And it's very far away. And so with our telescopes, all we can see is a point of light. But we can learn things from that point of light. One of the things we can do is look at variations in the brightness of that point of light and look at the patterns of those variations. And using those patterns, we can can do what's known as a light curve analysis. And this is just like a graph that shows the intensity of the light coming from an object over time. Based on this kind of light curve analysis, we have come up with some very weird conclusions about how this object is shaped and how it's moving. It appears to be a very narrow, elongated object, maybe at a roughly 10 to 1 length to width uh, and depth ratio. So imagine people have often called it cigar shaped. Mm. I've seen it called a baguette shaped. There are other analyses that say, well, maybe you could produce this kind of light curve if it's some kind of flat pancake-like shape. Whatever it is, it is not a normal roughly spherical or even slightly roughly spherical object.
0: And, of course, this is one of many things that leads, uh, uh, that lends itself to the, uh, to the interpretation that it's some sort of uh, artificial structure, that it is, uh, say, a spaceship. Or more specifically, maybe I'm thinking uh, the sarcophagus of a robeast beast launched <laughs> yeah. uh, from the planet Doom towards Earth to battle Earth's mightiest heroes in a giant robotic
1: suit. It's a space mummy. Yes. It's on a cosmic journey. Now, if it is a space mummy, I would hope the space mummy doesn't get car sick because another thing about the – what we can tell from analyzing the light emitted by this – reflected by this object is that it is tumbling. Mm-hmm. It is not uh, rotating around a principal axis. It's tumbling in an irregular way. Uh, it appears to be rotating once every about 7.3 hours. Uh, The coloration on it is kind of interesting. Light reflection analysis indicates that there's a red coloration on its surface consistent with objects in our solar system like asteroids that have been bombarded by cosmic rays. Now, another question people wondered is, where did it come from? And the answer is, we don't know. Uh, on its approach trajectory, it seems like it was coming basically from the direction of the star known as Vega, which is in the constellation Lyra. But that doesn't mean that it came from anything around the star Vega because we have to remember that our view of the night sky is moving. Mm-hmm. And so uh, whenever whenever it came from where Vega is now, Vega wasn't there yet. So even if you don't follow space news very closely, you can probably guess we did not conclude it was aliens in November of last year when there was all the hubbub about this. Though uh, people did listen for it to emit radio signals and nada. We didn't hear anything with multiple radio observatories at different times. There was nothing.
0: All right. So if it was slash it is an alien ship, it, was, it certainly wasn't trying to communicate with us in any um, uh, detectable sense.
1: Exactly. And so that is about where we stood last time when we did the the first podcast on this uh, object. But there have been a lot of developments since then. So I want to start by looking at a a very curious NASA press release from June of this year. So earlier this year, using observation data from a number of observatories, including the Hubble Space Telescope, you had a team of researchers that found that Oumuamua's trajectory was different from what we would expect based on gravity alone. Marco Michelli of the uh, ESA's Space Situational Awareness Near-Earth Objects Coordination Center in Italy said, quote, Our high-precision measurements of Oumuamua's position revealed that there was something affecting its motion other than the gravitational forces of the sun and the planets.
0: Uh, by the way, Marco also stated that, quote, we think it is a tiny, weird comet. A tiny Uh, weird comet. Yeah, which uh, which I I think sums
1: things up nicely. (laughs) Well, we – so last time we talked about this object, I think we were speaking at a time when the consensus was around it being an asteroid-like interstellar rocky body. Right. And now things seem to be coming back around to the idea of it being some kind of comet-like body. Now, again, to establish the difference, an asteroid versus a comet, an asteroid tends to be a, a rocky or metallic body. A comet is uh, more ice and dust. It has more volatile materials in it. And when a comet gets heated up, it will tend to lose mass. Things will get ejected off of it. Yeah, it
0: gets, and, and out gases, And that's where you get a comet's tail.
1: Exactly. Now, if you're making a connection there with the speed boost that uh, Michele just mentioned, you you might be on the right track. Uh, David Fernokia at NASA JPL found that the speed boost observed on Oumuamua was consistent with what you would see from the outgassing of a comet. So, so how does that work? Well, the speed boost on a comet works by the same principle as a rocket, actually. It works by reaction propulsion. A rocket ejects gas out the back of it to push the front of it forward, or I guess to actually push the whole thing forward <laughs> to push it forward in uh, the opposite direction of its emissions. And a comet likewise has volatile material on it and within it. And when it gets close to the sun, that material heats up and gets ejected in jets of gas and dust, and these jets form a kind of natural rocket engine which pushes the comet through space, adding speed in addition to the comet's original momentum. So there's absolutely nothing out of the ordinary there, right? Sometimes comets turn into little rockets that can alter their own speed as they pass near the sun. Mm Mm-hmm. Except researchers weren't expecting to see any speed boost of this kind due to outgassing because there was otherwise no direct evidence of outgassing at all. In fact, this is why people were concluding earlier on that it was some kind of rocky object, more like an asteroid, because they thought if it was some kind of comet-like object, they should be seeing these, these gas and dust emissions. Yeah, you'd
0: see the tail. Like, where's the tail? Let's, I mean, every, every uh, you know, child knows that, right? That if you're drawing the, the comet, it needs to have a
1: tail. Or some kind of visible emission. Right. You, there should be something you should see. And they didn't see anything like that. So whatever it is, you, sh- you should be able to see it happening with your telescopes, but nothing. So the team uh, in the, in this research hypothesized that maybe what's going on is that Oumuamua's outgassing released very little dust, uh, enough to give it a speed boost but not enough to see reflecting the sunlight uh, in a way that our telescopes could pick up. The University of Hawaii astronomer Karen Meech, who is the head of the team that announced the discovery of the object last year, she suggested that maybe small grains of dust that you would normally find on a comet within our solar system Th- those things had all been blown off of Oumuamua as it hurtled through the interstellar void for all those thousands or millions of years.
0: Yeah, and it, uh, I've also read that they would just leave like larger grains of dust, and that would that's that's what would be uh, um, outgassing here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so there there are a couple of different ways you could think about it. You could think that what's getting ejected from the this comet-like object. Could be large grains of dust that don't reflect light as well as many smaller grains would, mm. and that's why we can't see them. Or it's just it's just been stripped of dust, and what's being ejected has mass enough to give it a speed boost, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't reflect light in a way we can see. In any case, whatever's going on with it is weird. Yes, a tiny weird comet. OK, but I want to move on to another, uh, another piece of news, another NASA press release again, this time from November of this year. And it said that in November of 2017, researchers used NASA's infrared Spitzer Space Telescope to look for the object after its original sighting. So this is an infrared telescope. It's looking at the infrared part of the electromagnetic spectrum, which usually indicates the emission of heat energy. And Spitzer looked uh, for more than two months and was never able to detect the object. These results were published in the Astronomical Journal by Trilling et al. And believe it or not, the, the fact that it couldn't see the object was actually a very useful result. Despite the fact that there was no data we could gather, the fact that we couldn't see it with an infrared observatory tells us something about the object. First of all, it must be very small. And this is actually consistent with uh, outgassing, like a comet providing the speed boost to change its trajectory in the way that we saw. It had originally been concluded that the object uh, must be no longer than 2,600 feet or 800 meters in its longest dimension – But the Spitzer result limits its size even more. Uh, Quote, Spitzer's non-detection limited Oumuamua's spherical diameter. And that spherical diameter is is just based on the way they were looking for it. Obviously, they do not think it's spherical, but they have to sort of average it and treat it as if it were a sphere. It limits that diameter to uh, 1,440 feet or 440 meters or 460 feet or 140 meters or perhaps as little as 320 feet or 100 meters. And it must also be highly reflective. This non-detection means that it may reflect up to 10 times more light than solar system comets. And you can tell this because of how cold it is. It's too cold for the infrared telescope to detect. And, of course, you know from experience, dark surfaces have a lower albedo, meaning they reflect less light and absorb more heat. You want to get hot, dress up in a dark suit. Mm -hmm. And lighter surfaces have a higher albedo, meaning they reflect more light and absorb less heat. And the object apparently reflects a lot of light and absorbs very little heat. Uh, Trilling
0: uh, and his co-authors, they they point out that this might be due uh, to a coating created by outgassing Uh, from its close approach to the sun prior uh, to to its discovery. And this, they remind us, following millions of years' worth of travel through that interstellar void, far from any star that could have refreshed its surface.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, So they speculate that maybe as Oumuamua made its close approach to the sun, the heat from the sun warmed up the ice on its surface, turned it into gas, blew away everything, and then it released some gas that recovered the surface of the object with a bright layer of ice and snow, and this made it highly reflective in a way we could see while remaining very cold and non-absorbing. So at this point it seems pretty reasonable to me to conclude that the object is is weird it's not like things were you know we normally see but it's probably some sort of interstellar comet like object behaves sort of like a comet but sort of not like a comet from within our own solar system and uh, and that's maybe all we'll get to know about it because another thing about it is that it's it's on the way out we're mm-hmm. not, we're probably not going to be able to gather any more information about it unless we're we go chase it down and with the propulsion systems of, di- of today, we can't do that.
0: Well, there, uh, we'll get to some, of the, some answers on that in a little bit because yeah. there are some people who think that, that we can catch it.
1: Well, with the propulsion systems of tomorrow,
0: right? Well, with, well they're looking at within three to five years. They're, okay. Like they're basically talking about um, what would happen if we got serious about catching it now and therefore we're able to launch a mission in say 2021, what could be, what could be feasible.
1: Well, I think we'll have to come back to that later in the episode, but we should take a break. Let's do it.
0: All right, we're back. So, uh, again... Everything that the that uh, Oumuamua is doing mm-hmm. uh, has thus far been explained uh, rather well, given what we know about the behavior of, of comets and other astronomical objects.
1: Right. It doesn't behave exactly like we would expect a comet to. You know, there are some observations that don't quite match up, mm-hmm. but you can at least say, well, here's why I think it might not be matching our normal expected observations for a comet-like object.
0: Right. It's weird, but within the parameters that have been – that are that – are, in place, without having to drag in the idea of uh, uh, of alien intelligence.
1: Before we get into alien intelligence, I just wanted to visit a little bit of other weirdness that I came across. This first one was in a speculative astrophysics paper I came across. It's just too odd to pass up. So this is this was published in, of course, the archive preprint server <laughs> uh, called "Could One Eye?" And that's uh, that's a designation because it's the first interstellar object, 1i slash Oumuamua, be macroscopic dark matter. And this is by uh, Cincinnati's et al. So I'll try to do this quick because I have not found any experts who think this answer is likely. Uh, this is basically just a paper sitting in the void, though it, it, it was too fun not to mention. So the authors ask, what if it's not an asteroid or a comet, but some type of quote, macroscopic chunk of dark matter. Okay. Uh, the very short version on dark matter. When you look at galaxies and galaxy clusters way out in space, you can detect how much mass they have based on gravitational effects. But at the same time, the galaxies we look at appear to have far less normal matter in them than we would guess based on those gravitational effects. So... People have come up with this idea, well, there must be some other kind of matter that's actually – there's much more of it out there than there is normal matter and this is dark matter. Uh, The most common version of dark matter people imagine I think is usually some kind of, quote, weakly interacting massive particle, meaning you've got these elementary particles out there. They have mass and they have gravitational effects and they can affect the gravity of things around them, but they don't interact with regular matter in other ways. So they can pass right through it. They don't reflect or absorb electromagnetic radiation and so forth. Uh, but the authors of this paper write, quote, Contrary to widely held misconceptions, dark matter need not be in the form of weakly interacting elementary particles, but might instead be found in much larger pieces with masses best measured in grams or kilograms and cross-sections best measured in centimeters squared. Specific candidates include primordial black holes. Strange quark or baryonic matter and other speculative approximately nuclear density standard model or beyond the standard model objects. <laughs> so given that this object reflected sunlight because we could see it with telescopes, we know that Oumuamua was not a primordial black hole. So they propose it is some form of strange matter of, quote, nuclear density. And this means the density of the nucleus of an atom, which is, of course, ridiculously dense, uh, one point of comparison. Comparison I found is that it's more than two point one times ten to the fourteen times greater than the density of water. All right, so it's pretty dense. A little bit dense. (laughs) Okay, so – That's some hard water right there. There's a nice part about this weird hypothesis though. Unlike aliens, you can actually falsify this one because they said, wow, if an object that massive, uh, that big a hunk of dark matter were to pass through our solar system like this, it would gravitationally alter the orbits of Mercury, the Earth and the moon in ways that you could detect – and I have found no evidence that anyone has detected shifts in our orbit or the orbit of Mercury or the moon. So as fun as this one is, I think we can ignore this hypothesis. All right. How about one more strange yet cool hypothesis uh, from Mattia Chuk in Astrophysical Journal Letters in 2018? Uh, this one is called... Uh, uh, One-Eye Oumuamua as a tidal disruption fragment from a binary star system. Short version here, the author models various scenarios and speculates that Oumuamua was once part of a planet. That planet was, quote, tidally disrupted in a catastrophic encounter with some kind of extremely dense red dwarf star and then ejected into interstellar space from a binary star system. So it's shrapnel. Yeah. Hmm. I I think this seemed to be working on the conclusion – I could be wrong. But I I think this seems to be going on the basis of the idea that uh, Oumuamu is more likely a rocky asteroid-type object rather than a volatile comet-type object. So this might not be as plausible now as it was when this was published. Uh, But OK. I think it's time to talk about the aliens paper. So the authors here are Avi Loeb and uh, Shmuel Bialy. Avi Loeb is a Harvard astrophysicist, a very, very, you know, not some internet kook, very mm-hmm. well-respected uh, working astrophysicist, super active in the field, all over the place, involved with a bazillion projects I could find. Uh, so, you know, th- th- this is not TimeCube guy.
0: Right. When 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 this uh, individual speculates on
1: aliens, you, mm-hmm. you listen. Yeah. But at the same time, Somebody's uh, credibility within a field or authority shouldn't make you just like take whatever they speculate on at face value. No. So let's take a look at it. These authors wrote a paper called Could Solar Radiation Pressure Explain Oumuamua's Peculiar Accelera- Acceleration in the Astrophysical Journal Letters uh, in 2018? It was just recently published.
0: Now, I have to say it's always a good sign when the uh, the alien hypothesis is not mentioned Uh, In the headline, (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It it, it
1: sometimes gives one hope, I think. Uh Uh-huh. OK. So picking up on the fact that Oumuamua, quote, showed deviations from a Keplerian orbit at a high statistical significance. And there they're just saying it had a trajectory that was not – that would not have been powered by gravity alone. It got this speed boost we've been talking about. And remember, of course, that uh, previous researchers concluded it must be some comet-like object receiving a reaction boost from outgassing in some unusual way that we can't detect. Uh, Loeb and Bialy write... Quote, such an acceleration is naturally expected for comets driven by the evaporating material. However, recent observational and theoretical studies imply that Oumuamua is not an active comet. We explore the possibility that the excess acceleration results from solar radiation pressure. In other words, being pushed by the radiation emitted by the sun, and we'll come back to that in a minute.
0: And just to go back to our earlier uh, earlier uh, um, ideas about uh, comets and outgassing, uh, this would be inverse acceleration consistent with the behavior of outgassing comets, again, despite the lack of visible outgassing.
1: Yeah. And oh, and one thing that has been pointed out is that, yeah, this acceleration is seems to be... So the acceleration is decreasing at a rate consistent with the inverse square law. Mm-hmm. Now, the inverse square law, of course, a- applies to like the intensity of radiation as you get farther away from a, a source of radiation emitting in all directions. Right. Uh, I mean,
0: a, a terrible way to describe this probably, it's like the, the further away you get from the sun, the less solar uh, radiation there is pushing you. Yeah. In the same way that the further a paper airplane gets away from a uh, – Uh, uh, you know, a fan Mm -hmm. or an air conditioner unit, uh, the less uh, it's going to be propelled by that air.
1: Well, yeah, kind of because, yeah, the the force is spreading out in all directions. Mm -hmm. It's spreading out across two dimensions as you go back in one dimension. Right. And so that's the inverse square law. But of course, what uh, would also be pointed out by the comet-like object proponents is that a, basically, an inverse square law type uh, slowdown in the acceleration would also be uh, consistent with the, the cometary outgassing because as you get farther away from the sun, the heat on your surface also decreases and right. there's less heating of the material.
0: Yeah, less heating of the material and therefore less outgassing to create that natural uh, like rocket propulsion system. Yeah.
1: So that could be consistent with either one, with it being some kind of – a radiation pressure thing getting mm-hmm. blown by the solar radiation or the outgassing, the the natural rocket.
0: Yeah. So nobody's saying, "Oops, it looked like it turned on its uh, photon thrusters or something." No.
1: <laughs> now, in fact, even I, I haven't come across anybody saying that, that it looks like it is artificial propulsion due to a reaction drive. Right. The only things I've seen are natural reaction propulsion. And artificial solar radiation uh, propulsion. So anyway, I I listened to a brief interview with Avi Loeb that helped clarify his thinking for me. So basically he he talked about how Oumuamua is weird. We've never seen anything like it before apart – and that's apart from the fact that it is extrasolar in origin. And so he pointed out several things that make it make it seem like maybe this could be an alien spacecraft. First of all, there is the weird shape. Uh, we know based on the variations in, in the way it reflects light that it's extremely long and narrow, moving through space in a tumbling pattern. Uh, he mentioned one thing, that the object seems to be at the, quote, local standard of rest. And this basically means that it is moving along with the average of all stars in the, the our solar neighborhood. So if you look at all the stars around us and how their movement averages out, that's basically how this thing is going. Okay. Now, Loeb says, "Quote, if you think about it, that's the best frame to camouflage yourself if you don't want anyone to know where your origins are <laughs> because there is no star that is exactly at rest in that frame, but this object seems to be there." So I don't know about that. We can come back to that reasoning in a bit. Now, he mentions also that it's cold, right? So the infrared search with the Spitzer telescope revealed no thermal emission and, you know, it's just a very cold object, meaning probably that it reflects rather than absorbs sunlight. So it's highly reflective. There is, of course, the trajectory indicating a speed boost more than what it could receive from the gravity of the sun and the planets alone, and, of course, Loeb thinks that the speed boost cannot be due to cometary outgassing, and he, and here's why. He says, first of all, we can't see any evidence of outgassing. A comet has a detectable tail from outgassing, and we couldn't detect anything like that on Oumuamua. No images of it. Uh, number two, he says, the fraction of its mass that it would need to lose in order to get the speed boost it has is pretty significant. And then third, he says that outgassing from comets tends to change the spin period. So if you think about this, think about it being this weird elongated comet that's tumbling through space, Mm -hmm. and then jets start shooting out of part of it to increase its movement through space. This would seem to probably change its tumbling, right? If you imagine turning on some random air jets on a spacecraft in orbit.
0: Yeah, you would think that if it's spinning faster, you would get like a Sonic the Hedgehog situation, right?
1: Yeah, or or it would stabilize it in one direction or another. You'd see some kind of change yeah. due to this outgas. Yeah, yeah. And so uh so do we see anything like that? Well Loeb says no. There's no detectable change in the spin period of this object. So what gives Oumuamua the extra push? Loeb and Bialy's paper, uh, as we said, hypothesizes that it is behaving like a light sail, also mm. known as a solar sail. And this would mean that the object is in fact uh, – in and they, they work this out in a way that's also consistent with the light curve we saw in it. The object is in fact less than a millimeter thick but with a surface area of 20 meters or more – um, and it's just it's highly reflective on at least one surface when it's re- you know because it's supposed to be reflective as a solar sail, and so th- this is a really interesting thing to consider at least even if it's wrong.
0: Yeah, because the idea would be that this is uh, a, a, this is an, an artificially created solar sail. This is a this is a probe powered uh, pro- uh, by solar sail propulsion.
1: Yeah. So what's the deal with a light sail?
0: Yeah, let's let's back up and just talk about what a light sail is because it's it's an, it's an awesome concept. Uh, I believe we've talked about it on the show in the past, but it's always great to revisit it. Mm-hmm. So the concept itself actually dates back to astronomer and mathematician uh, Johannes Kepler in the 16th century, and it, it has to do with comets. Mm-hmm. He noted that comet tails always point away from the sun, and he inferred that sunlight itself was pushing them around like cosmic windsocks. <laughs> so essentially, he predicted the so-called solar wind— We talked about uh, solar radiation uh, you know, blasting out from from the sun in all directions. Yeah.
1: No, I think we want to be careful not to confuse the idea of the solar radiation being the wind in this analogy with the solar wind, which is the charged particle stream yes. from the sun, which is usually how if an astronomer today talks about solar wind, I think they mean that stream of charged particles. But this would be something that's pushed along just by the radiation pressure of the fo- of what's coming off of the sun. So so how does that happen?
0: Well, uh, it has to do with the photon. So so the light of a star is made up of photons. And while photons don't possess mass, they do have linear momentum. And when they bounce off of a reflective surface, they push against the surface. So all you need is a reflective surface uh, in order to have a sail. Mm -hmm. And now we've – and and this is not just like purely hypothetical. Uh, We have experimented with solar sails. Uh, The Mariner 10 probe successfully demonstrated this technology in 1974 uh, the the craft had solar arrays that were used as impromptu sails, and then further experiments uh, have proved it out completely. And uh, it was used as a primary means of propulsion on the Icarus probe. That's I K A R O S. That was a Japanese probe, right? Yeah, that was a, that was a JAXA uh, probe, uh, mm-hmm. interplanetary kite craft accelerated by radiation of the sun.
1: Oh, that's what the acronyms is. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so one of the things, though, about sailing uh, on, the, on 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 the, the the rays of the sun is that you'd you need to be patient if you're using it as your primary means of propulsion for interstellar travel.
1: If you want a Mario Kart analogy, it's like being Donkey Kong or Bowser. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think like you get you get a better top speed in the end, but it takes you a little while to get there. Yeah, yeah, slow
0: but dependable, right? Um, or it's in in the initial stages, anyway. So based on our technology, uh, the technology we have now, a journey to the nearest star would take about 7,000 years using uh, solar sails. Now, I I chatted with noted solar sail authority Dr. Gregory L. Matloff about uh, all of this, uh, I think, eight years ago. And at the time, he thought uh, that it was possible to maybe get that down to two thousand years with the right kind of solar sail construction, uh, construction that would need to take place in orbit, mm-hmm. and then we might might be able to eventually get below a thousand years, uh, but below a hundred, he said that stretched all believability, uh, you know, from his standpoint. So, uh, but I have to state this is unless you had a laser or particle beam accelerator that was uh, that was essentially creating its own wind for the vehicle to, tra- to, to travel on. And the, that has been proposed. Yeah. So the idea here is why depend on the sun to push your sail when you can uh, use some sort of high-powered laser or particle beam accelerator to create a new, uh, like, laser highway uh, for your solar sail vessel to sail upon. Uh, this is a concept I believe we actually saw demonstrated, or at least maybe not demonstrated, but— uh, uh, let's say illustrated uh, a little bit in the Tron movies. I believe there's a solar sail-looking vessel. Uh, oh, yeah. It's kind of uh, flowing through the uh, – what? The internet, the computer world, uh, whatever they call it's it. It's a cyber Tron. monorail. Is that what they called it? No, I don't <laughs> uh, Now. Of course, in contemplating the possibility of uh, a space probe created by an alien civilization that's thousands or millions of years older than us, uh, some manner of advanced solar sail need not be the only propulsion technology in play. but uh, but then again, I guess it could be like a a a, a trolling motor, or maybe it's the primary propulsion system, and we're just letting human mor mora- mortality or morality <laughs> get in the way of our understanding uh, of uh, of the time frame involved, right? Hmm. Um, you know, we, we even today we tend to, I think, we can fall into the trap of thinking like, well, what kind of people are on this vessel, or what kind of people are waiting to hear back from it? And certainly, if you if you push your idea of um, of intelligence in the universe beyond like the the, uh, human lifespan, you can certainly play with models uh, that don't need to hear back from their probe anytime soon.
1: Yeah, And uh, I mean, of course, if you're thinking about it being like a a crude spacecraft with passengers – I don't know, Are were we allowed to just play with our intuitions here? <laughs> My intuition, not based on evidence, is that if this were an alien probe, which I don't think it is, it's probably uncrewed, right? It doesn't have people in it. It doesn't have space people.
0: Not living ones,
1: anyway. Maybe a, a, like a <laughs> dead alien king, right? Yeah, but I don't know. What are our intuitions worth? Maybe nothing. Maybe yeah. nothing when it comes to aliens. But uh, just if,
0: we're, if we just stick to the human uh, answers for why – uh, some civilization would send something like that out. I mean, we we can look to examples of you know a, a time capsule, a a tomb, uh, mm-hmm. a simple um, hey, is there anybody else in the universe? A message sent out into the void. It's a survey, with, yeah. And yeah. so I think all of that is possible. Just again, based on the human experience, extrapolated to try and understand why an alien might do something mm-hmm. like this.
1: But even backing out and not trying to imagine alien psychology, Mm -hmm. uh, if you just look at it as a piece of technology, which is basically all that that Bialy and Loeb are doing, they they don't start talking about alien civilizations. (laughs) They're just saying like, is it plausible that this is what it is? And they conclude, yeah, if you take that as a would it be plausible, they do think it's plausible. They do some calculations to say would a light sail that matches the kind of acceleration we saw on Oumuamua, would it make it through the Interstellar journey, and they say, "Yeah, it probably would. Would it match the things we've seen so far?" They say, "Yeah, it probably would." The question is, do you have reason to conclude that it is a light sail in the first place?
0: And we should also throw in here that that this is part of kind of the the SETI approach to mm-hmm. to looking for evidence of of alien life is is not only looking for transmissions, but looking for the signatures like this. Like, what where is an exa- what's an example of something? Something out there in space doing something unexpected mm-hmm. uh, either in its its movements or how it 's emitting uh, uh, energy how it 's
1: visible or not visible to us, etc I mean so many of the coolest things. In the history of uh, of astronomy, that people have have thought, well, maybe that's aliens. It's always just something weird, and mm-hmm. we can't really explain. We don't know the best way to explain it without invoking aliens. Even though there's no clear indication it's aliens, it's just kind of like, well, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, that's you know that's the thing with the Wow signal. Like, there's right. no clear indication that it's aliens, but it just like has defied a lot of other natural explanations. So people keep obsessing about it
0: yeah i mean to a certain extent it's it's kind of like ancient people staring up into the sky seeing something um unexplainable mm. and then attributing it to the gods like the alien the aliens are, are 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 modern gods in in many respects and uh and maybe there's even like a, a subconscious uh need to to explain things in the in that in that way you know
1: and of course, as the ancients dreamed of becoming gods themselves and achieving apotheosis, we are doing the same things that, we're, that are currently being hypothesized as uh, the products of advanced alien civilizations. We're trying to put together these light sail interstellar probes. Uh, like Avi Loeb himself is involved in something called Breakthrough Starshot, which is a program to develop a fleet of small light sail probes that will travel to another solar system such as Alpha Centauri, which is more than 4.3 light years away.
0: I should also point out that uh, that Matloff, who is uh, a pioneer in solar sales, is also involved
1: in that project. Oh yeah, but it seems like a lot of people are.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a. You can go to their their uh, their website at uh, breakthroughinitiatives.org, and there's a, yeah a whole list of people, including Freeman Dyson, is on there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's a cool project. So Robert Davi sense.
1: for some. No,
0: Robert Davi. <laughs> he was the villain in uh, one of the uh, Bond movies, right?
1: Yeah, what I'm thinking of? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He was the one. He was the the guy who was. His his grand plan was just to be a cocaine lord.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He he was a pretty vicious villain, but not not involved in this this project at all. Let's go ahead and squash rumors that Bond villains are building a solar sail.
1: <laughs> no, I made that up. I'm sorry. Oh, you don't know. No, I should mention some other things that have been cited as evidence of of the possible artificial origins of this object one is just that if it's a random piece of natural interstellar space debris there must be a lot more interstellar space debris than our astronomical models have predicted we we generally didn't think there was enough that we would have randomly seen one like this but we did so Either there's a lot more interstellar space debris than we thought, or this thing probably isn't interstellar space debris, uh, which would mean it's either local, which seems unlikely based on a lot mm-hmm. of analyses I've read, uh, or that it is artificial in origin, or or I guess, you know, we're a one in, a, I don't know how many, one in a million chance or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. most, uh, the, I've, I've seen like maybe one speculation that it, ultimately isn't uh, from beyond our solar system. It comes, I mean, from the Oort cloud, but –
1: Oh, yeah. Multiple people have mm -hmm. have proposed that. I I saw uh, one paper really putting the hammer down on those hypotheses saying it's just really hard to explain the characteristics of this object, including its its hyperbolic trajectory and everything by reference to things within our solar system. The main hypothesis there is that it's like – it was some kind of Oort cloud object that got thrown out of whack due to a hidden ninth planet, you know that Planet X <laughs> out there, which nobody ever really finds any evidence of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, I think that is not a favored hypothesis, right?
0: Well, that's Planet Doom. That's where the robies come from. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
1: the space mummies. Yeah. There was another thing that I thought was funny in this interview I listened to with Avi Loeb. It was on some program I found on YouTube called Event Horizon. But uh, anyway, so Loeb says – he makes this comparison. He says, you know, when when you're looking at Oumuamua, it's kind of like you're walking on the beach and you're picking up seashells and then you come across a plastic bottle. It's unlike the things around it. It it seems like it could have been artificial in origin. And I couldn't help but notice this is somewhat similar to the argument that the English theologian William Paley made with the watchmaker idea. Oh yes, You know, he says you're walking across a heath and you you kick your foot into a watch. You know it can't have been artificial – or you know it can't have been natural in origin; it must have been designed.
0: Ah, it's like the, the turtle on a fence post argument, right? I guess so. We don't know how it got there, but it must have had some help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, as we've said before, uh, Avi Loeb is certainly not just some internet kook. This is, and in fact, I have not come across any. Th- there may be this out here, out there, but I was looking around and I couldn't find any experts disagreeing with the essential core mathematical reasoning in his paper, which spends most of the time making the case that it's plausible that this thing could be a light sail and that would explain what we see about it. Uh, But of course, a lot of people have taken issue with the conclusions he draws from it that we should conclude it's possible that it's a light sail because people tend to be skeptical about going to the it's aliens explanation. So I guess we should move on to that. We should look at some criticisms of this idea. Is it really aliens this time?
0: But let's take a break first before we get
1: to yeah, the Yeah, let's aliens. keep you hanging. Yes. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. All right. So we ended last time by saying, looking at everything we've seen so far, should we conclude yes, it really is aliens this time? I think the answer is no. We are not justified to conclude that. But it is true that this object has gotten even weirder and more interesting. And there there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the mystery.
0: Yeah, uh, lova has mentioned uh, in in, uh, in interviews. Uh, he's mentioned uh, Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. I, I
1: think this might be a bad analogy, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, he he uh, he said he points out the the, the Holmes quote that is uh, tossed around a lot. Uh, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And um, you know, I I, th- I think it's. Perhaps a, based on what I've looked at, it seems like it's a stretch to say that we've really ruled out all possibilities here. No,
1: I don't think so at all. He, 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 to make that quote work, it would have to be once you have eliminated the improbable or something like that.
0: Yeah. And I should also point out, this is one of those quotes, the Sherlock Holmes quote, is often used as a way to prop up improbable ideas yeah. uh, by other uh, individuals. And, uh, and as much as we respect Sherlock Holmes as a fictional bastion of logic, I think we should always remember that his creator was personally taken in by a lot of supernatural uh, nonsense uh, later on in his life. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's a part of that, of course, is just a lesson that you know, so many of us are susceptible to that kind of thing. Uh, but also, let's not confuse Sherlock Holmes with a real person. <laughs>
1: Right. Uh, so before we look at some the, – the major criticisms of this idea, uh, let's let's refresh on the main arguments that Oumuamua is a light sail. First of all, you've got the increase in its speed, which would be consistent with cometary outgassing, but we couldn't see any sign of cometary outgassing. Mm-hmm. Then you've got its weird shape, low temperature, high reflectivity, all would be consistent with uh, the strange shape and reflectivity of a light sail. Uh, Plus, the authors do all these calculations to show that a hypothetical light sail would be able to survive the interstellar journey and produce the results we've observed. And they point out the fact that its spin period doesn't appear to change. And they say, so if it's outgassing, if jets of gas are coming off of it to give it the speed boost, shouldn't that have changed the way the object was tumbling or rotating in space? And we didn't see any evidence of that. We didn't see any evidence of a change in the tumbling pattern. Now, uh, w- one critic I found was quoted uh, – consulted by an article in NBC News. And this critic was uh, Corin Baylor-Jones, an astronomer at the Max Planck Institute in Heidelberg, Germany. And uh, Baylor-Jones started with a general comment saying, in science, we must ask ourselves, where is the evidence, not where is the lack of evidence so that I can fit any hypothesis that I like? And specifically what Baylor-Jones pointed out that I thought was a good point was about the tumbling motion of the spacecraft. Uh, Baylor Jones said, quote, Why send a spacecraft which is doing this? If it were a spacecraft, this tumbling would make it impossible to keep any instruments pointed at the Earth. Of course, one could now say it was an accident or the aliens did this to deceive us. One can always come up with increasingly implausible suggestions that have no evidence in order to maintain an idea.
0: Well, Uh, but then again, who says that they're interested in Earth? I mean, (laughs) mean, that's... Well, I mean...
1: if it was an interstellar probe, what it what would it be doing if it was not trying to look for something? Yeah, but not necessarily Earth, right? Well, I mean, what applies to Earth would apply to anything there. If like, it's why tumbling, are they coming here if they're not coming to see us, right? <laughs> if it's stumbling, why would if it's stumbling, it's going to have trouble looking at anything in particular. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's a, uh, assuming the, the ship is functioning correctly and it's not uh, in a catastrophic spin, right?
1: Well, this is something that, uh, that Loeb and Bialy point out in their paper. They're like, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't assume that it is a functioning spacecraft. This could be a long dead, long derelict piece of technology.
0: Ah, and good things always come of derelict spaceships. <laughs> We've seen enough films. To know that
1: but that would explain several things that would explain why it doesn 't appear to be emitting any kind of radio signals, why it 's tumbling mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff now he, here 's another set of criticisms I, I thought this was really good, actually, Robert, do you ever watch the uh the PBS space time show yes i've checked this out before mm-hmm. yeah so the uh, the host of PBS space time, which is like a, a video series, is the uh, astrophysicist matt o'Dowd, I think he 's Australian. And I I liked his take on this. I thought he had a smart, measured take. Uh, Of course, he's one of these people you can trust not to jump to the it's aliens conclusion.
0: Right, right. He stands by the uh, the, the saying, it's never aliens until it is.
1: Yeah. And and I thought his analysis was pretty good. So he – you know, basically he points out that most of this light sail hypothesis would kind of fall apart if there was just direct evidence of outgassing, right? So is it possible that this could be a comet-like object – getting a speed boost from outgassing in a way that's invisible to us? As far as we know, sure. Sure, that's possible. The authors of that June 2018 paper that we mentioned earlier, they hypothesized that either it's a comet with little to no dust or large grains of dust that reflect less light than many smaller grains. And so what about the fact that the hypothetical outgassing hasn't changed the spin period of the object Well, that is perhaps harder to explain, uh, but O'Dowd says, you know, nobody's shown proof that the outgassing must change the tumbling pattern in an observable way. So this argument really doesn't cinch it yet, even though it does seem weird. Well, how about that strange elongated shape? Uh, O'Dowd says here, you know, maybe it was created in some kind of odd event. Think of that paper we mentioned earlier about the fracturing of a planet Due to tidal disruption from a red dwarf star and then ejection from a binary system, you could think about that maybe producing a weird-shaped object in Mm -hmm. space. Or uh, maybe this object was somehow broken apart as it was traveling and then reformed in an elongated shape due to gravity during its uh, travels through space, something like that. We, We can't rule that out. Now, what about this fact we mentioned earlier that we would expect interstellar debris to be too rare for us to have encountered in the way we encountered this one? Uh, O'Dowd here says you know first of all, maybe we just got lucky. You can't ever rule that out though I don't really think that's a good option to resort to since it is by definition unlikely
0: yeah i mean you're supposed to approach things where uh, along the lines that there's there's nothing special about the um, about the about the earth perspective about the human perspective, right?
1: yeah. If you're you're saying maybe we just got lucky, I'm not sure that's a better explanation than it's aliens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the the other ones, okay, here we go. Maybe it's actually from inside our solar system somehow. For example, maybe this thing we mentioned earlier, that it's some hidden ninth planet out there. It sent the object on this fast trajectory, though, as I mentioned, I've seen papers tearing apart this hypothesis. It's really hard to explain things about this object if it came from here. So that doesn't seem very likely. Uh, Then the last option, this does seem maybe like the one we should be looking at, maybe there's just a lot more interstellar junk than we thought. Maybe, for example, stars at the end of their life uh, tend to shed comets in their Oort cloud and just pump a ton of volatile stuff into interstellar space. Another thing O'Dowd points out that I think is a good point is this – if you just assume that this is a broken probe that randomly entered our solar system traveling through interstellar space and is not some kind of functioning, functional object, you would have to – assume, much like the interstellar space debris thing, that there are just tons of these broken probes out there, right? Mm -hmm. He gives the number that you'd you'd have to expect that there's like 10 to the 15 of them per star in the Milky Way. And that's just probes coming out the gills. Why would there be that many probes? Also, one more point he makes, and I think this might actually be his best point, uh, it's that Though Oumuamua is moving very fast by solar system standards, it's actually moving very slow by mature light sail standards. The whole point of a light sail is that over time it can build up speeds much greater than any known rocket-based propulsion up to, you know, large fractions of the speed of light like 20 percent of the speed of light or something that that's why you would have a light sail for long distance in interstellar travel
0: yeah donkey kong in the early stages sonic in the, in the, in the long <laughs> long term stages
1: yeah it's supposed to build up to this incredible speed which was you know umumu was fast but it wasn't anything like that so if it were a light sail probe why was it going so slow Now, for any of these – and there's some indication that Loeb actually does this. For any of these criticisms, you could say, well, maybe the aliens were just trying to disguise it. They're Mm -hmm. trying to make it look not like a probe. What if it was tumbling to discourage us from thinking it's an alien probe? What if it's going slow to discourage us from thinking it's an alien probe? That's the kind of thing, you know, that that makes it kind of unfalsifiable. You can't rule out explanations like that. But that's also just not a good way to think about explanations – I mean, it's a fun way to think about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, by by that logic, you can believe almost anything about anything. You can always hypothesize that there's intention behind not wanting something to seem like what it is. Right.
0: You see this in a lot of paranoid thinking and in conspiracy theory thinking. Yeah. Where, yeah, if you assume that everyone is lying to you, then pretty much any fantastic model you're trying to present is possible.
1: That's what they want you to think, man. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, if you measure the contents of a contrail on an airplane and you find it's nothing but water vapor, they're like, well, you know, they're just trying to – they're spraying water vapor up there to distract you from the times it's not water vapor. (laughs) I mean, anytime there's intentions and deception behind your explanation of something, you can resort to that to explain why it doesn't look the way it should if you're right.
0: And yet at the same time, I mean, you do have to acknowledge that if (laughs) – to a certain extent, it would make sense to make your probe inconspicuous or not so conspicuous that it would demand, uh, you know, enormous efforts to chase after it.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if – I mean, here's an, uh, a question I haven't fully considered. Would there just be better, simpler ways of making the same kind of probe inconspicuous? I mean, couldn't you have probably made it in such a way that we wouldn't have detected it in the first place? I don't know, but Maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, it depends on the, 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 the how technologically advanced a given uh, civilization within a, a given uh, star system would happen to be, right? Because certainly there are plenty of models of, of human civilization that would never have seen a mua And then conceivably, there are versions of our future. There are future
1: possibilities in mm-hmm. which we could easily check it out. If you imagine this did come from another star system – it would have to have been sent long before there was anything like technological civilization on Earth. So mm-hmm. it could not be that like they heard our radio signals right. and responded by sending a probe. Right. And then they certainly couldn't
0: anticipate our level of our specifically our level of technological advance.
1: Yeah, it appears this thing's been out there for thousands, millions of years. Mm-hmm. So again, it comes it comes back to the fact that we shouldn't
0: take ourselves too seriously in trying to figure out what this is.
1: You know, uh, an, astro- an astrophysicist that I follow on Twitter, uh, Katie Mack, I-, I saw in an article that she had some tweets that got highlighted that I thought were very <laughs> insightful about research of this kind. And she she was just basically trying to explain what causes research like this to be published. Not that I'm saying this shouldn't have been published, but, uh, you know, generally most astrophysicists are not going to look at this and be convinced that it's aliens. And yet at the same time, we keep seeing things like this. So she points out how, you know, there's really for an astrophysicist not much of a downside to publishing something like this. It's interesting and it gets you attention as long as you're not fudging the numbers or something as long Mm -hmm. as you know your underlying logic is there even if it doesn't justify the conclusion that it's aliens you're you're showing that something is not ruled out by what we know so you end up with something that she calls quote not obviously wrong and also huge if true and so the you know the chance that this will backfire and really hurt your career is kind of low because you've basically, you've done your homework correctly in publishing this paper, but there's also a slight chance that maybe it turns out it is aliens and you were the first person to say so. And then they name it after you. Right. And so I I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it. I, I, I don't know what our base level of skepticism about aliens explanations should be, because obviously I tend to be of the skeptical nature and to not think, oh yeah, it's aliens. But also I don't think Aliens' explanations are on the same level as saying, like, it's a ghost or something. Oh, not at all. So so what what is the bar of entry for explanations that invoke extraterrestrial artificial origins of things? Yeah, I
0: mean, extraterrestrials are – depending on which experts you talk to, it ranges from possible – to, uh, you know, extremely likely mm-hmm. where, where the math gets limiting is, is, is when you're trying to, d- to decide if it's something that we could ever possibly encounter. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can stare up at the, the night sky and think to yourself somewhere out there, there's a planet and it has something on there that is that is life-like, that is life in a, in a way that is very much like life here on Earth to some extent. But will we ever see it? Will it ever see us? Will we ever have any knowledge of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it alive right now or is it long dead, etc.? cetera? Um, you know, that, that's where it gets tricky. Will it? And certainly, is it capable of traveling here? And 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 and, and all the uh, you know the the, the complexities involved with with thinking about interstellar travel.
1: And would it even want to? I mean, we always just assume space exploration would be a goal of any intelligent species. Yeah, they've got to come here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've got Mount
1: Rushmore, we've got the (laughs) Grand Canyon, we've got all these great things. Surely they want to come and see the whales. I don't know the best way to reconcile this. I'm sure somebody out there has done philosophical work on like what the what the prior probability of aliens should be. I'm sure somebody's got some smart-ass paper about how it should be zero or something. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like it's, it's just hard to know what your base level of entry on these kind of questions is. How weird would a comet have to be behaving before you start thinking it's more likely that it's aliens than that it's some weird comet? You know, right. like how weird does it have to get?
0: Well, this brings me back to, uh, you know, uh, ideas about the Dyson sphere. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, the idea that this is the, the kind of cosmic megastructure you might look for, or n- and not even necessarily seeing it specifically, but seeing something that is behaving like a Dyson sphere. Yeah, well,
1: technosignatures. The, yeah. yeah,
0: but what happens if you do see something that matches that technosignature? Then do you say, oops, well, it's a Dyson sphere, that's a... That's some sort of megastructure created by an alien civilization, or do you, or do you then ask, well, what else could be creating the signature of a Dyson sphere? What is it about the universe that I don't understand that I'm tempted to uh, uh, to interpret as a Dyson sphere?
1: Uh-huh. I think our fiction has ver- been very poor at comparing us for the more likely way that we would encounter alien technology which is in in an ambiguous way Mm. you know it's always clear isn't it isn't it always clear it's at least eventually clear in almost all sci-fi stories first contact stories uh, like you you know okay yeah it's definitely aliens we're getting a signal in English or something or they're coming here to put us in a pie it's never just like well we saw something really anomalous in space and we don't quite know how to explain it and some people think it's aliens and other people don't, and we never really got a confident answer one way or another. But I think that maybe that's the more likely scenario. We're going to be stuck with these mysteries and everybody arguing until the end of time about whether it was aliens or not.
0: Uh, yeah, this brings me back to something Ferenokia said. Um, he, he said uh, concerning Oumuamua, um, uh, quote, we probably know as much about Oumuamua as we're ever going to know. Ugh. You know, it's, it points out it's gone forever. It's on its it's, it's on its way out. It's already uh, as far from the sun as the orbit of Saturn. So, what if well, that is the, the the thing that ends up in our history books? There was this weird comet, but maybe, according to to uh, to some experts, it
1: could have been something else, and we'll never know. <laughs> Uh well but wait a minute that that's what we're stuck with the the telescopes and uh and powers of observation we have now but if we were to get close to it again if we sent something out to catch it we 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 talked earlier about how we would come back to this the idea of going out to catch it mm-hmm. could we learn more i mean obviously there the answer is yes we could send a probe to try to catch it unfortunately with today's propulsion we would not be able to reach it in time or at least with normal rocket based propulsion right
0: well, basically, yeah. So this is where we get to uh, what's uh, what's referred to as Project Lira. Uh, this is now this this is based on some information that came out last November, uh, and, uh, and and basically this is an ambitious scheme to reach a muamua quote within the timeframe of a few decades. And uh, the, the authors of this, uh, this paper, they concluded that, uh, quote, although reaching the object is challenging, uh, th- there seem to be feasible options based on current and near-term technology. Uh, and uh, with this, we're talking about uh, – generally, they're talking about launch dates of around 2021 with the, ex- with, with, the, uh, you know, with the expectation that if we were to push forward with any of these efforts, there would inevitably be delays as well. This comes, uh, by the way, from the Initiative for Interstellar Studies. It's a UK-based, not-for-profit company with a strong emphasis on education. And uh, if you live in the UK, you should definitely check out their website. They do a number of talks, summer schools, and uh, so forth. Uh, their website is i4is.org. Uh, but um, this in this particular paper, they looked at a few different ways of pulling this off, of chasing down muamua. Um namely sending spacecraft after it via a Jupiter flyby or a solar Oberth maneuver. Uh, So these are essentially gravity assists by which a craft falls into the gravity well of a given planet, star, or other object and then accelerates out when its fall reaches maximum speed. They also looked at using a few different current and near future launch and propulsion technologies, stuff coming online in the next few years, like NASA's Space Launch System, uh, SpaceX Falcon Heavy, and the SpaceX Big Falcon rocket. And they also touch on solar and laser sails, uh, and uh, they also touch on uh, the prospect of Project Starshot, which we mentioned already. Mm-hmm. And in all of this, they calculate the necessary mass of such a craft, including a uh, shielding for anything using a solar oberth acceleration because it would have to get closer to the sun. And then the craft needs to decelerate as well as it reaches uh, Oumuamua. Right. So uh, this is an interesting, uh, fairly in-depth uh, paper. Uh, b- but I should also note that they they ultimately present these ideas as things we could put in place for the next Oumuamua. Uh, this in part due to the fact that there would inevitably be, be delays if we were to push for a 2021 launch. Uh, and they want to focus in the future on two to three more specific plans that could be utilized. Uh, but I think the the most optimistic flight time that they specifically mention in the paper is a potential laser sail propulsion method requiring 3.5 years to launch, uh, though they mention that five or even 10 years may be unrealistic, and then taking seven years to reach the destination. Mm. So... Yeah, if, if we <laughs> if we really wanted it, if uh, if I want it. I mean I want, it, but I mean, you know, that's the thing about mega, mega Let's projects, go look right? At that thing. More I it can't just just be me that wants it. <laughs> um enough uh, people and and in governments uh, there there has to there has to be a will uh, to go after it. And uh yeah, I'm not sure we're there. And it kind of comes back to the whole idea is it conspicuous or not. Uh, because if it were conspicuous, if there was like a, a – more of a solid argument that this was, say, a derelict spaceship uh-huh. that uh, that fell into our uh, our system here, then there would be probably more push to go and check it out. Yeah. Or certainly more push to please stay away from it because we've seen all the
1: movies. Well, I mean I wonder if exploring – possibilities that it could be an alien intelligence in the most responsible way without, you know, running the Daily Mail headlines, mm-hmm. uh, j- just exploring, you know, what if it, – is it plausible? Could could you work out the details on how it could be consistent with an alien probe? If that – it could help get the kind of funding to study objects like this in the future, like you're talking about. I, yeah, that, that could be on the right track.
0: Well, to go back to the
1: Daily Mail example, I mean, possible
0: – Derelict Alien Spaceship, much better headline than Weird Comet, you know,
1: <laughs> which one is going to uh, in, you know, in, invoke the most interest. Get those dollars pouring in. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I do want to say, though, I think in the end I, I am not won over by the idea that it is an alien probe. And, and to be very fair to uh, Bialy and Loeb, they're not saying it is an alien probe. They're just – They're playing with the hypothetical. They're saying if it were an alien probe, would it be consistent with what we see? Would it be more consistent than it being some type of comet-like object? Uh, And they're trying to make that case, but – Either way, I think they are at least highlighting that, hey, it'd be a good thing to have a program to look for technosignatures of potential alien technology such as light sails. I mean we've talked before, as, as you mentioned earlier, about ways of looking for Dyson spheres out there among the stars. We should also have ways of looking for light sails that are traveling in the interstellar medium or traveling through the solar system.
0: Right, and we ultimately have to keep um, updating uh, the, the sort of techno signatures we're looking for based on our own advancements.
1: Yeah, but regardless of whether Oumuamua is actually one of these, it's it's at least a good impetus to start thinking about how we would detect these things. Yeah,
0: and indeed how we might respond to them. How we might go and check up, check it out and how we might bring back uh, artifacts <laughs> from it yeah. uh, to uh, to terrorize our planet. That sort of thing. <laughs> but I yeah, I'm 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 certainly not one over that's a pro, but I I really I really want it to be yeah, like a derelict spaceship because that's like the most romantic thing. Like, wouldn't right. uh, wouldn't? I mean, that's that's what you want in life to to have lived long enough to to see something that might be a spaceship, but not have to deal with the consequences of it actually being one.
1: So, if it is a a, a robust sarcophagus and there is a space mummy on there. What would the mummy's curse on that ship be like? Well, I mean, what's going to happen? Are beetles going to crawl out of my eyes?
0: <laughs> um, well, that that kind of brings us back to our uh, our older episode on never take your 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 helmet off on an alien planet. Right. That's Right. Yeah. Um, because there's a whole host of bad things that could happen.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So I think my conclusion has to be probably not a probe, probably not aliens, but it it is one of the most interesting things in space. Right. Uh, it it's a
0: it's probably just a weird comet. Uh, but in being a weird comet, it's just it, – it reveals that there's so much more out there that we don't uh, understand, you know, that we're yeah. just – we're continuing uh, to uh, to understand uh, how the universe works. And, and that alone is amazing. It does not have to be an alien spaceship to be amazing. Well said. And either way, I think somebody out there should create a tiki drink. <laughs> <laughs> named the Oumuamua because uh, I think there, there are a lot of possibilities. Or you could have the, the ice uh, in the tiki drink shaped like uh, uh, Oumuamua.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that could be really interesting. So any bartenders listening.
1: Uh, baguette-shaped ice. Yeah.
0: Baguette-shaped ice, yeah. Drop it in there. Uh, uh, if you're So anyway, if you're a bartender out there, please create this drink and tell me about it.
1: The mold could double for some kind of novelty baguette-themed French drink and then it could also double for some kind of novelty cigar themed Cuban drink. What else? What else could you do? Oh man, that? I don't know but just the hot dog drink hot cust- dog ice a custom <laughs> I,
0: a muamua ice mold like uh-huh. that I'm surely somebody's working on that. They should. They should totally steal that idea from us.
1: I think Ikea already makes that actually. Really? Yeah, they've got these like long ice straws. I don't know what it seems weird. Hmm.
0: Well, I'll have to check that out. Anyway, um, <laughs> Either way, I, I, I'm sure everyone has some thoughts on this particular episode, so we would love to hear from you. Uh, in the meantime, check out StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's the mothership. That's our mothership where you'll find all the podcast episodes, links out to our social media accounts. You'll find a tab for our store, our cool tea Public store that has uh, all sorts of cool uh, bits of merchandise, t-shirts, stickers, etc. with some cool stuff that we've just pumped out for the holidays. So a great place to go for a stocking stuffer, or just a, you know, a, buy yourself a gift. It's a great great way to support the show and if you don't want to support the show that way if you want to do it the free way just simply rate and review us wherever you have
1: the power to do so huge thanks as always to our excellent audio producers alex williams and tari harrison if you would like to get in touch with us directly to let us know feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hi let us know where you listen from how you found out about the show all that kind of stuff you can email us at blow